Welcome to Better Family Travel with Amy and Kathleen, the podcast where we'll help you plan fun, enriching, and affordable experiences for you and your family that meet your goals. We'll ask ourselves hard questions, reveal our mistakes, and share a new perspective on what better family travel can look like for you. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or your journeys are just starting, you're a better family traveler just by tuning in. I'm Amy DeTesere here with Kathleen Monroe, and we are here for our episode. Kathleen, I'm so excited about today's guest. We've actually just finished recording it and with Katie Hurley, and Katie is a nurse, and she was a COVID nurse. So she, both she and her husband have been nurses throughout all of this. They're the parents to three young boys, and just the insights and the honesty of how they've had to address what we've just been going through and still continue to go through. It really gave me a lot to think about. There's so much more to her story too. I think that we'll probably be posting some elaboration too on the Facebook group about some of the deeper pieces of what her life was like in the ICU. Also something we didn't talk about, but that I want to make sure that we do promote for everybody out there. Um, The whole world has been affected by the COVID pandemic. And now we have a new phenomena. We have the long haulers. And so Katie talked a little bit about traumatic memories and feeling a little PTSD about certain events as you're trying to move on with your life. Uh, It's really important that people know that there's tons of support out there. If you look up long haulers, it's, it's the term long hauler clinics, long hauler support groups. They're on every social media platform that you can find, your local hospital clinics, your general practitioners can point you in the right direction. But there are lots of places where you can get treatment and support if you or somebody that you love is experiencing the long-term effects of a COVID infection. Yeah. And, and you know, for our listeners, our Better Family Travelers who might wonder, you know, this episode isn't as much on its face about travel, although we do talk about it a little bit. But the reality is this journey of this past year, is it's been a journey. And it, we've all been on a journey. And we can't forget that. And some of that mindset and strategies that we've talked about after all of these, throughout these episodes, is very much, you know, what Katie has been employing in her own life, what she's worked on with her boys and with her family. And, you know, we've talked about whether travel has to be destination or at home, and there can't be really much more at home than this past year of how do you live your day-to-day life? What strategies, what mindset do you need to employ to get through the day-to-day? And so from that respect, you know, that's what today's episode is about. But Katie does stick around at the end and help us with the Ask Better Family Travel. And as a nurse with her experience, also take some of our listeners' questions about you know, travel today and what travel in the near term is going to look like. So I encourage people who are curious to stick around for that ending segment of the Ask Better Family Travel. And I'm curious what other strategies and techniques our friends and and listeners have encountered in their own experiences that they could share. I'd love to hear what strategies you've used to help prepare kids for transitions and flexibility, resiliency, coping with fear. When you put a kid on the plane for the first time to go travel, you might be dealing with a kid who's afraid. And so we've gone through a pandemic where we faced our children's fear right here in your living room, right here at the base of your school bus steps. Um, We're learning coping and strategies that are completely applicable to our future as traveling families. And I think if you don't lose sight of that, this is actually an incredibly valuable experience. Speaking of strategies and transitions, we are getting a little stir crazy um, and did a little bit of daydreaming about travel. Going to be quite frank and say that after our interview with Katie, I think I've been caught down a little bit back to reality. Um, Dreaming is super fun, but it also does remind our kids that there's hope. And I think a glimmer of hope is really important to maintain when, you know, the messages our kids are getting from many of our school systems is we don't know what to tell you about tomorrow. You're just going to have to wait and see. And that can, that can feel very overwhelming. So I like to have this future hope 
out there, something the kids can rely on that we're going to do. So why don't you tell everybody? It's exciting because it's, <laughs> it's something that I know is your first step. So go ahead. Why don't you share with everybody what we, you guys have done? We had on President's Day weekend, all five of us were home. So we, we went to CVS and we got passport photos taken. Like we're going to get on a plane and travel somewhere. And I thought the whole time we're getting our pictures taken. I'm like, people are going to think we're absolutely banana boats. Like, what are these people that, where are they going? And I was like, we're not going anywhere. We're just getting our picture taken. And the whole thing was absolutely hilarious because there's a whole bunch of rules about your picture. You can take them yourself, but you have to have a a plain background and you know, your hair has to be a certain way and you can't wear your glasses and there's all kinds of stuff. And I thought, oh my gosh, I can't, I'm going to mess something up. I can't, I'm not that organized. So I'm going to go to CVS and pay them to take this picture for us. It just seemed, plus it was an outing. We got out of the house. Yeah. Number one, we traveled this weekend. We went to CVS. Dun, yes. Number two, we got these pictures taken. And so my youngest, right, she's the one who, when we go for flu shots, says, I'll go first, right? She's the she's the bravest of the brave. So she says she's going to go first. She just oh. has that disdainful, like, like, oh, okay, well, for, for people who don't know, you know, <laughs> haven't gotten their passport pictures taken for their kids, we, we, we have, we've done it as well. We actually have not used our passports, but we did it a little while back. You can't smile and your kids can't smile in their passport picture at all. And they have some kind of like, when you go to CVS, they run it through an algorithm. So yeah. you can, your eyes can, not only can your, your mouth not be smiling, your eyes can't be happy either. Like it can't be like a twinkle. <laughs> like the, one of my kids' eyes looked a little too happy and we had to redo the pictures. So it really is like, try your best to look much like, you know, an 18th century orphan looking for more porridge. Exactly what it looks like. Right. And Lisa, I, might I have some more? Lisa, like, that's, that is exactly what this is like. She's like, I haven't been fed in a month. And then my middle one, who's the jokester, he was like, oh, so it's got to be like very angry and serious. He looks like... <laughs> He looks like he's going to go beat somebody up. His, his eyebrows are for, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This is what I'm traveling out of the country with. Like, these are the Monroe. Welcome. My, my preteen was like, I'm cooler than cool. Like he just, he, he nailed it, man. Yeah, he, he actually pulls it off pretty well. I have to be honest. He did. And then this, this one, my husband, the Joker, he smiled stinker. If we get sent back to the United oh. States because he smiled, <laughs> this is it. We're done. Um, and I was, we were going hiking. So this is the best part. We hadn't showered. I mean, I am like, I'm like, we're doing this right now. We did not shower this morning. We got dressed. I'm wearing, we're, we were going to go hiking in the woods in a foot of snow. So we're wearing snow pants, snow boots, layers. I mean, we were in a total mess. I curled my hair before we went. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. And my husband was like, that's awfully fancy for a hike. I was like, we're getting our pictures. Listen, you have to live with, the kids only have to live with those pictures for, I think, five years, but you guys have to live with it for 10. Mine looks I horrible. I hope we get like, to use it in five years. I hope. So we're, so we're going to, we're going to go to Canada. Darn it. This is my plan. So I'm going to, I'm going to take you listeners with me on this trip. If you do not have a passport, listen to my perils of this experiment of getting a passport with five people who I can never get in the same place at any point in time. Anyway, somehow we're going to get passports and maybe we're going to Niagara Falls maybe for the summer. We'll see. I'm going to walk you through my plans, but right now I have photographs and that is a, that is a start people. That is, you've taken the first step and that's important because like you can't just decide to leave the country. First of all, nobody will have us anymore. And secondly, you do need a passport and it's not something you can just get on a whim. So that does take some advanced planning and you know, and now we've spent the money. So this is the other thing too. We talk a lot about money. We are not made of money. And when I am planning a vacation later, that is budgeted. I, I am spending the money now on the passports because I can't spend it on a vacation. And later when I go to spend to plan a vacation, this investment will have been made. And I don't have to add five or $600. I hate to say it's going to be a lot. Yeah, I, I don't have to spend that money on top of whatever I'm spending on the vacation. So I'm feeling pretty good about this plan. I think this was a good time to do it. I think that's a fantastic strategy because again, you, you, you're not, you can't use your vacation money to go somewhere this year, probably, or right. for a while. So at least you have something ready for when you can go. And, yep. you know, 
and again on transitions the other exciting thing is that we hit 100 downloads over the yes, past week thank you everybody so much for supporting us and continuing to download and listen and spread the word and yeah suggest people to come on as guests and topics we just this is so much fun and there's so much more to come and, and if you've downloaded and you've liked us, um, if you could leave us a review at your podcast, wherever you download podcasts, if you didn't like us, that's okay. You don't have to do anything, but that's if you fine. liked us, <laughs> if you liked us, it really does help us out to, to leave that five stars, to leave a review. It, it helps, you know, move the podcast up in the algorithms, whatever the algorithm gods decided is supposed to be, but it, it just gets our message and our podcast out to more listeners and really are, that's what we're doing this for we just feel so strongly that we can make family travel just a little bit better so and on that note let's talk to katie awesome so amy yes kathleen we are welcoming katie hurley <laughs> a friend of both of ours so yes. we both know katie You've known her quite well just from the community, but I'm really excited to have her on today. I know Katie is super inspirational in so much of what she brings to the community and her thoughts. And she's also incredibly knowledgeable about a lot of what is going on right now in can, the world. Can we give her a round of applause for a second? We're going to clap and say thank you to Katie and her husband, Rich, for being in the medical field and showing up every day at work and saving our butts <laughs> and risking herself and trying to keep her family safe and doing the right thing and the hard thing every single day and spreading through example the right thing to do to keep everybody safe and healthy and just what you're doing is so hard. I can't even imagine. So and I don't, thank you. I don't, and I don't think we said it explicitly for people who don't know Katie like you and I do, but both Katie and your husband, Rich, are nurses. And Katie, you were working in the COVID ICU, correct? Back in the spring? Yes. It has definitely been a challenging time as everybody has been through so much and it's often goes... <laughs> Like, I just was thinking about it yesterday and I, I was doing a training at work and it was stuff that I don't do every day, but I was doing in the spring. And I'm like, what in God's name was I thinking and doing? It's pretty crazy to think about what has happened, but it's just, it is what we do. It's what we do every day. It's what we've trained for. I've had extensive conversations with my brother about this and um, he's a respiratory therapist up in uh, Massachusetts. And he's like, this is what we went to school for. This is what we trained for is to step up to the plate and do this. And that is part of it. It's definitely what fueled me in the beginning to really step. I mean, people talk about stepping outside their comfort zone. Yeah, I went like into the next galaxy, pretty much. And I don't say that to just be like patting myself on the back. Sometimes it can sound like that, but it's just because I'm still like, what were you thinking? But as a mom and a wife and a concrete type person, I needed some control over what was coming at me that I had no control over. And as everything started to unfold in 2020, it's like we were all kind of happily going along our life. And I think it was kind of in January, we started to hear a little bit and a little bit in February, a cousin of mine reached out from Florida and she's like, do I need to worry about this? And I'm like, no, no, you don't need to worry at all. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. Huh. And I think within two weeks, I messaged her and I said, you need to start worrying. And I started to see even before it really had gone mainstream, um, once things started to happen in Seattle, Rich and I kind of realized this could be a real problem. And my manager at work was even a little bit ahead of us. She's like, I just made 10 meatloafs this week. I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, that was going to be my next question is, did you start modifying your behavior before the big March 13th, you know, closed down on our side of the country here? I mean, everything started to happen really fast. It was right around March 1st that we really started to realize. And the first thing was I stopped going to my gym. And um, for me at the time, it was really a big part of what I was doing to just take care of myself. And, and I just felt like I started to realize that being in the hospital, I felt contaminated. And it was this feeling of walking around with fear that I was
was going to get someone else sick. Like I never was worried about myself. I was just worried about getting other people sick. I remember the first time when they started to hand out meals at the elementary school, and I was just under so much stress and pressure that I could hardly articulate. And I like so much so that I think as women, we we rarely ever stop to accept help. I think we're really, I know I'm terrible at that. And I've worked really hard on that. I felt I was under so much pressure that I was accepting and asking for help. So even the simplest thing of going to the school and picking up meals, I remember being there and just trying to like stay away from everyone because I didn't want anyone near me because I was so like almost irrationally afraid, but it was all just part of the stress and anxiety and not knowing what was coming and that we had no control over this. But it was wonderful in such a silly way to get that food to bring home to my kids who were beside themselves with joy to eat the muffin from school. It was like uh, such a comfort for them. It is. It's a little bit of familiarity. My daughter's eating the strawberries from school right now. Yes. And you would think yeah. it was Christmas morning all over yeah. again. It's something so, that they recognize. Exactly. And for them, you know, for us, it's being safe at home. For them, it's something familiar from outside home that they aren't getting as much of right now. You know, speaking of meals, I just want to throw that out there. It's a federal program right now, right? That Mm -hmm. every public school is providing free meals for their kids. And I would, I am going to put this out there in the universe. I would love this program to last beyond COVID. I I work in the low SES um, community and I am seeing all of the kids eating and eating a Mm -hmm. lot and having Mm -hmm. no stigma attached to whether they're yeah. free meal kids or not free meal kids or everyone yeah. is just eating and and there's so much of it and it's for everybody and i just feel 100%. like it it's the yeah. it feels like the right thing to do it's we're taking care of our children and our families and our community in a way yes. that if you're not taking advantage of this program yeah. i think you should be get out there and get in the car sign up and go get that food now it's being made for you so yes. go get it right absolutely yeah. and you know i mean i even just picked up a box I was bringing some things to the food pantry in town the other day and, you know, the wonderful volunteer and woman that runs at Krista, she's like, oh, Farms for Families box, take a box for your family. And I was like, absolutely. (laughs) I got a gallon of milk a big huge bag of potatoes and apples. I mean, these kids eat crazy. So I, it was wonderful. And I think of as it's so hard for ourselves to accept help, it's okay. It's such a stressful time for every single person right now, no matter what walk of life that you're in, whatever family situation you're in, whatever background, it doesn't matter. Everybody is under so much stress. So whatever little thing that I think any family can do to ease that, just even a little bit need to do it. We need to do it for ourselves and for our kids. You know, if grabbing a gallon of milk saves me a few dollars and saves me from making that extra stop on the way home so I can be at bedtime to sing the ants go marching to my nine-year-old instead of Alexa singing him lullabies, I just went through this, <laughs> then that's what it's about. Like, that's what I think. That's what these services are about. Well, and it's so true, right? Because we can do, many of us can do if any one thing, you know, but we're being asked to do almost everything. Yeah. And that's pre-COVID, especially, I don't want to say just working moms because stay-at-home parents have a complete, they have a different, you know, load that they carry. My husband's a stay-at-home dad right now. And I honestly, you know, we're both home. I go to work and I shut the door and my day is generally easier. So I do not in any means want to say that, but there is something when both parents and many of us were doing this, both parents were working outside the house and raising children. And it's a lot of chaos just to get the everyday stuff done. And those everyday chores were mm-hmm. exactly right. Taking away from the quality time. You know, we, we don't get quantity time really, right? When we're working parents, we don't get the quantity time. So the quality time becomes so important and it kills us. I think a lot of us, when we have to forego that quality time for 
something that is not quality at all, like, you know, exactly. going to get that gallon of milk. So, right. right. It so, sounds so, so silly, but it is important. Yeah. Katie, can you tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, you know, we've said about your careers, you and your husband, but can you tell us a little bit about your family? So Rich and I have been married 15, almost 16 years now. Um, we've lived here in town. 18. Um, we lived here for a couple years before we got married. We met at the hospital um, and we have three small boys. Our oldest is Kian. He's nine and we have twins that are seven and they weren't exactly our plan, but we take what we're given and we love them <laughs> ferociously. <laughs> and they love us like that too in life. Um, boys that are full of life and all are unique in their own way. It's, it's a whirlwind. Uh, three boys in 22 months and really no family close by to help us. Um, really, we're both transplants, I guess you would say, to Connecticut, both from Massachusetts. And our family is not close by. And shortly after the twins were born, my mom, who was here, passed away. And um, she was like just the heart of our family. She was a huge part of our family. And to, to continue on without her has been challenging in so many ways, emotionally, just everything. Um, but we do it. And and we get through. Um, I don't know how lots of times with friends, family, you know, however people can help or whatever support. And, you know, we take it like we did in the spring. I mean, all the neighbors fed us at least once or twice a week. Um, one of our neighbors, the entire time I worked in the ICU, which was nine weeks and then a couple weeks of recovery, initially, really, I still am recovering from it. Um, she cooked us meals every week, family friendly meals and would deliver them. And and I was having a rough time actually in November when things started to escalate to say that my own anxiety started to increase because it was like almost like flashbacks from the spring of like losing control and seeing what was coming. And um, so I was like, how am I going to handle this? So I reached out to my friend Lynn and I was like, we need a meal. <laughs> she came through. So, you know, our family, the boys are very busy. Our focus is to try to keep them, you know, in this challenging time, I think for our kids, it's, it's so different for every family. Um, and we all have to stay in tune to, I mean, I almost say like, put your blinders on and focus on what's in front of you and your family and what's important for you and your kids, because that is all that matters. At the end of the day, that is the only thing that matters um, and that you have done your absolute best and made the best decisions you can for your kids to help them. Um, a friend said to me, actually my boss at work, when we were deciding about schooling for our children this year, we had to, um, because of so many changes with COVID, it was really challenging as two nurses to have a schooling situation that might not be the most in-person type of school setting. Consistent. Yeah. Reliably consistent. Right. Right. And I understood like the concerns and the, the restrictions and the health, like I get it all. Um, and such big schools. So we really had to come to a decision to change our kids school. And I was huge into our schools and loved our schools. I mean, after the loss of my mother and really what has helped us along so much of the way has been the support of our school system and our teachers and the paras and the office staff like really have just taken care of our family. So when everything happened in the spring and Rich and I were both still working, we had to hire, I had college kids here babysitting the boys. Um, Cause you know, with the way our shifts were and we, like I was working 12 hour shifts, which I don't normally do. So the boys couldn't see me on those days. And we had babysitter. It was just really, this is what I mean. Like when I look back and I'm like, what? It How sounds like a that? lot of transition for all of you. I mean, you're talking about having flashbacks from your time working, you know, in those really high peaks um, and yeah. having these traumatic experiences. How how did your boys adjust to all these changes? Kids have been surprisingly resilient on the surface level, but there's yeah. a lot more going yeah. on with our kids. So I tell me a little bit about how your kids it, 
have adjusted and how they're adjusting. It was pretty tough. And there's still things that we are coping with. One of my boys, you know, they all had trouble. I was sleeping with the twins every night. It's hard to even talk about. And one of the boys was having night terrors, chasing me to the car in the morning. You know, I, I would be under enough stress having to go into that environment. And he so they, would, they knew. They knew. They knew. Yeah, they knew. They knew. I mean, they knew. And, you know, we tried. To, I always am honest with my kids, you know, so they would know. They're like, Mom, you know, did your patient have COVID today? And I'm like, yeah, you know, the patients had COVID and I did everything I could to help them feel better. And, you know, I would always tell them, I said, I just make sure every day that I rub their feet. Like some days being, you know, like for me, it was just the way I could keep humanity in the room. And it was just something I did for me to to keep my moral compass and everything I was doing was to just stop and rub their feet. I don't know. It sounds so silly, but you know, they would ask me and they would say, did your patient die? And I'm like, nope, not on my watch. You know, <laughs> and thank God I never had to say that I had lost a patient. That's amazing. So that was helpful. But you know, my husband has some health issues, risk factors. So the kids would be like, mom, literally, <laughs> If dad gets COVID, he's going to die, mom. I'm like, so okay, you have to keep guys. yourself safe and then you have to keep yeah. the kids safe, but you have to trust that they're safe at school. You can't really control, right. you put, you know, you get them into a building for, for all intents and purposes, you know, better family travel is a, is an effort to change our mindset about travel and to help people look at our capability and our what's accessible to us in different ways mm -hmm. and, and to kind of break through what might be a position of privilege and to talk about travel, you know, in so many different ways, like experiencing different parts of the world or taking a risk and allowing change. Mm -hmm. You know, you're watching people get sick and you've managed to stay healthy. Mm -hmm. Your kids are healthy in school. Would yeah. you, would you branch out any further? Would you travel right now or are you happy where well, you're at right now. Yeah, we're pretty laying low. And this is a hard thing. And this is where I think like everybody has to do what's good for them. So for us, and it's not about physical health, really, it is about our mental emotional health. So for my kids, what I know they need the most is consistency and structure and routine. And the way that I can provide that to them is with a consistent schooling routine. So when I change, when we made the decision to change their school, which was really hard, but like I was saying before, and I think I lost track, my boss said to me, she said, what you say to your kids are, my job is to make hard decisions now that makes your life better when you're an adult. And I just, an easier, like better and easier as an adult, just to make your life easier as an adult. And I was like, that is great. So I keep that in my mind. But so we put them in a private Catholic school that has been able to stay in person all along, but it's a partnership between the school and the families. And the message is sent to please keep your circle small, keep yourself safe, keep yourself from having exposures. And, you know, if anybody in your family is exposed, so when we're talking about COVID exposures, just to make sure everybody's on the same page, it's always, you know, being within six feet of somebody for more than 15 minutes that tests positive or starts symptoms with COVID, and you're with them in that 48 hour before that positive test or symptoms. So that's having a positive exposure. We needed to make sure that we weren't having that. Now at work, now they know where we work and what we do. And at this time, I wasn't in COVID anymore. I'm in a safe place of surgery and rich as well, but we're protected. I mean, we're wearing masks, we're doing all the PPE and all of that. So I knew like outside, we needed to stay safe. So we haven't been doing sports. We haven't really been getting together with friends. I mean, the kids have a couple neighborhood. We have a small little neighborhood group. I've been really careful about my exercise routine and the people. And when I felt like things were escalating again, I pulled back masking, you know, everything that we need to do, but it's hard. It is really hard. Um, what are your favorite, what are your favorite mitigation strategies? If you could tell 
people like the top three things you need them to do right now, what would they be? So uh, we try to make it fun and say like, what kind of adventure can we go on that there won't be any other people Mm -hmm. or that, you know, we can keep plenty of space from other people and still have fun. And sometimes I actually say this out loud to the boys, but sometimes I just keep it in my head, like Mm -hmm. my own little game in my head. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. What can we do? And for my kids, they need to be outside and they need to run. And so those are the kinds of things, which is great. We went to Hammonasset Beach not long ago, about a month ago, and it was freezing cold, but we were there and they were running around and they were picking up dead fish and they were finding shells and whatnot. They loved it. They loved it. What yes. do they talk about now? When they, what do they remember when they talk about that trip? Um, do they, they want to go back? Yeah, they want to go climb the rocks. Yeah. They don't care that it was cold. They nope. want to go climb the rocks and do all of that. Um, it's so funny it's, because we think we have to do these big things for the, yeah. our kids. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, whether it's COVID or not, that's really what they want. They want to climb the rocks. Yeah. They want to play in the sand, yeah. you know. Rocks. I have a little place in Lebanon that we go to uh colchester lebanon and here in connecticut and it's it's like a little dam waterway there's never anybody do you know what i'm talking about amy yeah Yeah. we we found it it, honestly we found it in a a same adventure trying to find places to go where nobody's at so yeah yes i have a book called the geography of childhood why children need wild places yeah this is if if we could share a go-to tip we talk about the outside all the time and i talk about hiking a lot but Mm -hmm. i mean we cannot you cannot underestimate outdoors in any weather clearly you have to dress appropriately if you're not if you aren't prepared it can be an unpleasant experience for sure especially this time of year whether you're in texas or you're in connecticut or maine it's cold everywhere right now but when you are properly prepared you movement keeps your our bodies are built for the outdoors we're built and children need that on a very fundamental evolutionary developmental way they must take up space and get fresh air and use their bones and muscles and move vertically and move horizontally those things are just very important yeah and we don't do it nearly enough but we try to as much as whatever we can do that's a win Um, katie i want to go back if you don't mind to something that you said that really struck me about the you know when you went to the school and you and you change, you know, that obligation that you felt to the community. And I think that's one of the things that we don't talk about as much with COVID. But, you know, in this world that we lived in pre-COVID, and some still live in, we didn't have the community. Like you talked about, you know, your mom not being there. And, you know, we have had to feel at least like we're very self-reliant and we're a unit, our family unit. We kind of interact with others and we do, we have our friends, but we're reliant on ourselves. And if anything, COVID has made clear how much really we rely on our community and we need that. But also being part of community has that obligation that we have an obligation to each other. And it's, it's not, it's a wonderful thing to be a part of, but it's not free to be part of it. You have to be an active participant. And in order to receive that care, you also have to care for others. And that's really how we get through it all. I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that really comes out. I, I, I larken back to, I don't even know if that's the right word, to growing up in the 80s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I feel like this is our moment to let our kids grow up like they're 80s children. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, we've all looked at our kids and thought to ourselves, we grew up without all of this plugged yeah. in time. And I I know what the right thing is to do. I I want to give them the gift of boredom and I want to give them the gift of unstructured, self-directed time. The way our days and our community is set up for, for our children to fit in socially, you do need to give them some of that tech time in order for them to be socially fluent in the kind of language and connections that their friends are fluent in. So we're parenting in a very new way, but it has occurred to me that we are given a little free pass Mm -hmm. here to give them this experience. And maybe for us, for people like me, I can only speak for myself. It's hard for me to let them unplug because it's Mm -hmm. easier. Oh, girl. (laughs) 
I know the right thing to I do. Feel I feel you. I know. It's hard. And so it is very hard. What I'm getting is a little positive reinforcement because when they are unstructured yeah. and bored, I spent my entire day today. I worked today, but the kids still had a day off of school. And they were for, for almost eight hours in the house, keeping themselves busy. There was a little bit of screen time for sure. But I thought to myself, I can't believe it. It's been a year. And a year ago, I would never, ever have had a full day where I was able to get things done and they could keep themselves busy. I did it. We did it. It's positive reinforcement. I feel like I could make that hard decision that makes their adult lives better in the future right, right. now because I've had some successes that unfortunately a pandemic had to happen for me to be brave enough to try, but we're learning really valuable lessons right now. I agree. Yeah. I, I think of it too. in like the whole activity piece, and maybe it's just for my own guilt as I'm not having the kids do stuff. I'm like, okay, I didn't start any dance lessons and I could only do one thing one time a week. And I was over eight years old and my twins are seven. They've already done Taekwondo, basketball, T-ball, you know, all this stuff. And I'm, and I'm happy that they've done it. They weren't always happy. they did it. So it's kind of nice to let that go for us right now and to just let them let them be let them go play outside let them go to their neighbors let them ride their little scooters or their you know roller i mean they do it in the house the rollerblades and the scooters all around our open living room dining room like whatever but i know that you did find a way to get them active and doing something. Yes. We can't go anywhere. We can't travel. But you told me about the swimming. And I really want yeah. you to talk about why you chose swimming and what it what some of the unexpected benefits have been for your family, because this this is gold to me. Yeah. So we are so blessed in our community to have a pool that was able to reopen. It's a very limited basis right now because of the COVID restrictions. But we, we found this actually a few years ago. And with having a kiddo that has ADHD and just active young boys, two older, tired parents. I got to say, we're old and tired. I found it was a wonderful way for us to connect as a family because we all get in the water together and there's no electronics for anybody, mom and dad included, because there's no service there, never mind all the water. So we've been able to recently get back to the pool and we're able to go. We usually schedule in about two sessions a weekend. I tried to even do it during the week and I was so exhausted. And I was like, I called and canceled. I'm like, we're too tired. I called at three, you know, two 30 driving home from school. I'm like, we're too tired. We can't make it at six 30 to swim. We're going to be crashing out, but we love the water. And for the kids and us as a family, we play water games and bat, you know, football games and swimming races. And we snuggle in the pool and I hold them like they're babies. And it's just a wonderful time for us to all connect just in a real natural way level. I find water for the kids is awesome. And, you know, meeting with one of the doctors today that helps with our son's ADHD, I talked to her about it. She's like, it's a tool in his box. When he is feeling out of control or stressed or whatever, I've taught him, get in the tub, go take a bubble bath. And um, so he does that now on his own. And his brothers do it as well, because I mean, who doesn't like to have a bubble bath or a hot shower? Brendan likes to now wash my shower, which is fantastic. I have nice cleaners. They're not toxic. I water them way down. I'm like, have at it, dude. And the next day he showed me, he's like, look, mom, I got this whole corner clean. I mean, <laughs> cleaning my shower is not high on my priority list. So that's a great idea. Yeah, that's a he, great idea. Yeah. It's like little foaming spray and it's, you know, it's safe stuff. I feel comfortable with him using it and he just goes to town, but there's something about the water. I think for kids that just helps, you know, that those neurologic pathways really helps them calm and relaxes them. I mean, just for all the, for us as adults, um, and in this stressful time to give them that opportunity. You, you really, whether you know it or not, you're really onto something with the, what the water does theory, especially for kids with attention deficit issues or any other kind of, you know, neuro differences of any kind. Besides the five senses that we all know and love, the mm -hmm. hearing, seeing, smelling, touching, and tasting, 
there's two senses, sensory systems that people don't talk about very often. And actually, Amy knows a little bit about this too, because her son also has some sensory differences also. And we have a sprinkling of ADHD in my own family. And yeah. by, by sprinkling, I mean a high percentage of the five yeah. of us. <laughs> so I, mean, I know a lot of this firsthand just growing up with it, but then also through studying and learning and the, you know, the job that I do and, and all of that. But water also adds input to the vestibular system, which is okay. your, your balance. So your vestibular mm-hmm. system is those semicircular canals in your ear that are full of fluid and full of little particles. And when you turn your head to the side, the particles fall with gravity and they tell your body, they tell your brain that your body is tilted. And when you're upside down, like my daughter loves to be, (laughs) those particles fall to the top and it tells your body that you're upside down. And so people who have trouble with those receptors have vertigo and dizziness and that vestibular system is really off. Um, Those kinds of people don't like swings. They don't like swimming because the vestibular system is very um, unpredictable when you're in those environments. But for kids with ADHD, whose threshold for input is here, but ours is way down here. I'm holding my hands up like like listeners can see us, but you know, they need twice as much input to have that same sense of, I know where my body is in space, Mm -hmm. which leads me to the proprioceptive sense which is where your body is in space. And so the cool thing about water is you have to use twice as much force to move against the resistance of water and your bones and your muscles start to kick into hyperdrive. And where I have to move my body quickly to know that I've moved my arm outward, I'm getting twice as much input in the water when I'm moving my arm. And so your brain is getting signals that are twice as strong. Mm -hmm. Your vestibular system is getting signals that are twice as strong. And it is a haven for sensory seeking kids and adults. My oldest son scares the life out of me and any adult that watches him in the pool because he submerges himself. By submerging himself, he gets the tactile. So he gets pressure on every, every corner of his body in the water is given deep pressure from the water. He has the auditory dampening, so he can't hear anything. You keep your eyes closed in the water unless you're wearing goggles. So he's got that. And then he has the vestibular and he floats and his semicircular canals are constantly in motion. And so he's getting input, 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 and he can hold his breath and stay underwater. Amy, you've seen it. Um, You outside the pool, hold your breath and watch for him to come up. And he comes up with a grin and he's relaxed. He comes out of the pool so relaxed. The, The mental health benefits that also come along with feeding that sensory system is mm-hmm. so important. And so for our kids, I'm, I'm now I'm like going on and on here. This is what happens. I start, I, I, got, I geeked out on you guys. I'm sorry. I'm geeked out. So these kids whose lives are mostly out of their control and they've been asked to be resilient and they're stepping up doesn't mean it's not very difficult for them. And also looking at the adults who are giving them a lot of mixed messages. You wear a mask, but those people aren't wearing a mask and it's okay, but you have to wear a mask or you have to wear two masks today or one mask yesterday or, you know, wash your hands. Well, we forgot to wash your hands this time. The kids are like, ah, right. If you have a child who's melting down, absolutely just losing their cookies and you can't figure out why... Amy, Katie, get in water, right? Like try water first. (laughs) I I had a friend show come visit one day. She came to pick something up and the twins were about, I think they were just two. And she showed up and she was like, I'm sitting having coffee at the table. She was like, where are the boys? Why is it so quiet? I'm like, oh, they're in the shower because they were bouncing off the walls. I knew I had someone coming by. I'm like, oh, they're in the shower. (laughs) She's like, I am going to remember that because a year later, it's a good thing she had twins boys too and she would send no me messages way. she's like i just threw them in the shower shower <laughs> trick <laughs> so i have a question for you, both of you actually katie you, you know you in particular and kathleen if you want to jump in but this year with all that has happened you know in 2020 and into 2021 you know covid is obviously one of the big topics but diversity and inclusion especially in, in corporate america is huge based on you know the realization of the events that have happened in the past year mm-hmm. diversity is a topic that is, you know, front and center and diversity comes in many different forms, you know, but one of the topics in diversity that's coming out, especially out of the UK is actually neurodiversity. Mm -hmm. So we're making sure, and the whole idea behind diversity is making sure that we get different points of view 
because as a whole, we all benefit when different, when we do bring in and incorporate those different points of view and different perspectives and that we've included them because it's not just, you know, and I've used this example before, it's not just, you know, checking the box, hiring the lawyer that's a woman, it's hiring a really good lawyer who is a woman and will bring a perspective that is different. So, so there's that. So with that lead in, the perspective, that neurodiversity, how have you found that actually benefiting your travel experience? And I know there's a whole list of what, how it's crazy and everything else, but I am sure like much like the appreciation of water, that there's also some perspective perhaps that they brought you. And I'm curious what you guys have found for your families. So I earlier tonight mentioned that I would really like to see the food program continue. In the same vein, it's been fascinating to me as an educator to see which students are thriving and which ones are flailing. Not failing, but flailing, because none of our students are really failing because they had what they needed before. Some students are no longer getting what they need. Fascinating to me, the children who were really struggling in our full classrooms and our bustling buildings are at home happy as a clam, doing their thing, loving life, getting a little bit of one-on-one attention from a teacher on the computer. Everything is sort of tunnel vision. It's very circumscribed. The intensity is different. There's, I mean, I could, we could have an entire show on what is different that's causing this to be successful for these kiddos. And then there's the kids that, you know, are at home and they're just miserable. The social butterflies whose wings are wilting and just absolutely need to have that nonverbal feedback. When a teacher stands by the desk and kind of looks over their shoulder and they get that feedback of, I've been noticed. They're not getting that anymore. So those students are struggling. My kids on the spectrum who are really having a hard time because their social skills are the ones that need work. And I have no opportunity to help them with that. And then there's the ones who are loving this because they don't have to make eye contact. They get to listen to my voice instead. And they get to look at the writing and the illustrations on the screen. And this is their preferred method of communication. And we are rocking it, right? So what I would love to see is that our country revolutionizes education and provides more options and variety and differentiation because we can see who it works for and who it doesn't work for. And I think that we as as adults have learned so much. We've caught up really fast to make this happen for our kids. For what it's worth, kiddos, we love you and we are working hard to make this work for you. We are burning the candle at both ends. But at the end of all of this, we have to change what we're doing to teach our kids with differentiation or some of this effort will really have been wasted. That's my soapbox. Well, I I agree. I mean, you look at modern schooling and not to go like way off, but it it is, it is so important for, for mindset. You know, we talk about the shows about mindset and strategies and mostly around travel, but mindset and strategies come into play so much. And the truth is that the, you know, schools were built for the industrial, like it was, it was industry. That is what they're built for. It's shaped for it. It's shaped for uniformity. And in this day and age, in a day and age when we want diversity of mind and thought that perhaps one size does not fit all. You know, I have one child at home that is prone to anxiety and is super happy being home, misses his friends, but really is good never having to go back to the full regular schedule. And I have a second child at home that very much enjoys talking to the teacher and getting to go visit the nurse and, you know, walking around the school. And she, she, you know, the other day, it was just like, oh my God, I need to see something different. Like just, oh. that was, I just need to see something different. And I'm like, I'm there with you. I, I, I feel you, but it's true. And it's not a problem that we're going to solve today. But I think that conversation and, you know, realizing that we're all different and we approach it different ways. But when we include those different point of views, whether it's in travel or in school, the workplace or anything else. When we find a way to include those different voices and those different perspectives, I think as a society, we arrive at a better place. And that's my soapbox for you, Kathleen. Teaching each other empathy with where people are at as well. I don't know if this really correlates, but you know, it just, when you're talking like that, it makes me think of tonight. It's always when I go take a shower that everything erupts 
literally as soon as I close the door and turn the water on, I hear all kinds of screaming and commotion. And, and I'm like, I'm taking a shower. Dad is home. I'm taking a shower. I finish my shower. I come out. Declan is a disaster. Complete meltdown, carrying on, full on sobbing, snots, hysterical. Brendan wiped out his Minecraft castle, stole his sword. You know, it's devastating to him. So Kian had asked me multiple times to lay with him tonight and sing him the ants go marching and our whole little nighttime thing. But Declan was having such a hard time. I got him right upstairs and I sat with him and we read and read and read um, superhero stories till he finally was calm and color was back and he was ready to settle. And it's interesting to me how much kids actually pick up and sometimes more than adults, I often think. Because Brendan, who often is very much tied to mom and wants me to read to him, and he came in his room and went in his bed and did not say one thing while I was with Declan helping him settle down. And then I stayed with them. Kian had come in a couple of times. I'm like, I'll be over as soon as I can, you know, just, and then I finally got to Kian and he's falling asleep, but I got there in time. He's still awake. And he's like, and all he says, he's like, I know mom, Deck was having a really hard time tonight and he really needed you. And I'm like, yes, yes, thank you. And I just think sometimes if we could recognize that in each other as adults, and give just a little bit of grace to each other, oh, how much better would things be and a little easier? So hopefully our little people, they're seeing it. They're seeing, and we just have to let them, let them be with that, not, not shut it down, but let them be with that empathy that they're learning. And I think they're seeing even more in this time of so much struggle with, with so many people. And hopefully they'll keep that as adults. And, you know, it's funny because we've talked about, you know, Kathleen and I on previous conversations about the need to feel perfect, you know, especially the social media effect, right? Well, yes. But that need to project that image, that perfection. But, but you know, as Bernice Brown says, oh. you know, the gifts of imperfection, yeah. right? And if nothing else in this time period, that imperfection you know, you, it's there and we live with that. And, you know, we've talked on a previous episodes, the, the memories that people for, for travel mm -hmm. are, are often those imperfect travel memories are the ones yes. that they, they choose to hold on to and have become most dear. And yeah. so it will be curious if that same thing will hold through for this time period, this, this journey that we're taking through COVID, right. To, what to bring up children. Remember what, what will, will they, they remember? Find? What will they pull out? Uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm confident they will remember the togetherness time and they'll remember the little things that we did. They're going to remember swimming. They're going to remember that right. you held them in your arms, Katie, that yeah. you picked, you picked up your big kids. Yeah. <laughs> weightless in the pool and gave them the, the physical yeah. input that they aren't getting from right. anybody else in the world right now. Right. Yeah. So important. Yes. Katie, I am so glad you're, you've joined us for this. We have a segment, you know, that we do usually uh -oh. after our guest has left called <laughs> Ask Better Family Travel. And I, I don't know if you'd be open to, if you're open to expressing your opinions, and I understand that'd be your opinions, but, you know, a few of the people that we've talked to have had some COVID travel questions. And sure. we, we have a few. Would you care to weigh in on what your thoughts are? I'll do my best. <laughs> Okay. So, my own opinions. Yes. But they yeah. are, you know, <laughs> right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> so what, what are your thoughts? What will post vaccination travel? What do you think it's going to look like? It's hard because I have to think of like where we're going to be at a year from now. Cause it's, it's not going to be here right away. It's going to take time. You know what? I think things are going to be better, but they're not going to be back to pre-COVID. I think there's going to be still ongoing testing. I think masking is going to continue. I think there will be some sense of spaciousness still because of the variants and because this Pandora's box has been opened. And I think there is a realization that it can be opened again. So I don't, personally, I don't think that things are Things are not going to, there's going to be a new normal, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think people will get to travel. It's hard though. I mean, it's something that we have not seen. You know, I don't have all the answers to that. I don't know when I'm going to be comfortable traveling again. That that was actually one of the questions I was going to ask. And yeah, I, I was thinking, I'm not sure when I'll be comfortable yet either oh, by airplane. We've, we've stayed actually at a little motel that I previously knew about in New Hampshire. We picked a time, you know, in early September when people were back at school, we strategically picked it because I needed to see something different. Mm-hmm. We didn't go in a restaurant. We didn't, you know, we ate outside yeah. at the picnic table. So that was my level of comfort. And it took a lot to talk my husband into it because he's even more strict than I am. But I was thinking the other day of, or it was, I guess, daydreaming of post-COVID travel. Yeah. And I was thinking about masks. And quite honestly, I've traveled with my kids and then we've gotten the stomach bug that we brought yeah. with us and oh, we've yeah. had to deal with it on the road, which it's not fun for any of us. Yeah. That is, that yeah. is just trauma that we will just put yeah. to the side. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, so how bad would it be if I sent my kids to masks in school for like the week before Forever. vacation? So we don't yeah. get anything before we fly. Like we had their well, visits. I had the boys well visits on Friday and they're like, how is everything? I said, my children may be in masks for the rest of their lives. I said, this is wonderful. They have not been sick. I know. I love it. I mean, it is like one of the byproducts. I'm like, that's pretty awesome. Like, yeah. oh my God. In our office, they said usually at this time, this was about a month ago, they'd have 500 sick kid visits. It's a very busy practice and they only have had 200. Wow. Yeah. And one of them was one of my kids with a headache that I'm sure was, you know, involved, but you know, we had to make sure. My kids had asked the same question. They'd asked about, are we going to wear a mask when we're sick? And I said, maybe. We should be. I mean, I I think I will. (laughs) Even before all of this. And it's funny because I was often hesitant to do it because I didn't, I always felt like there was the stigma, but at the hospital, like if you had any cold symptoms, you should be masking. And honestly, I didn't always do it just because I felt like who's going to want a nurse that's wearing a mask who's sick? Like, you're sick. Why are you here? But that's, you know, I think, I think that will be, um, with any symptoms. Yeah. It's going to be different. It's going to take a long time. I do think for places like schools to get back to something more normal. The, the next question that that was asked and, and I'm intrigued by it is once you and your family are vaccinated, mm-hmm. How would the, you know, for people who say would travel internationally or to a different area that maybe doesn't have that vaccination, same rate that that we have, would that matter? Like, would the vaccination rate or the outbreak rate of an area, if you are vaccinated, is that something that you think people will have to consider? I think that they probably will. I think if it were just me and my husband, we wouldn't care. We would go. But as a family unit... I think it's different when you're bringing, once you have that responsibility of those little people. Being vaccinated, fully vaccinated, praise God. Rich and I are both vaccinated. It feels really good. It feels really good. And and part of it is because I feel like I didn't give it to anyone else, you know, for me. Although I did probably give it to my kids, but I don't have actual proof of that. That's, it's hard. It's going to be hard to see what is really going to come. But I'm very optimistic with what I'm seeing every day in the reduction of cases and numbers. And I'm not just talking nationally or even in the state, but, you know, I get the report every day of how many COVID patients we have in the hospital. And we are dramatically dropping every day. That's Um, that's really reassuring. And we got through this surge without my outpatient area having to close down or restrict any services or, you know, that was a big change. So we're very lucky lucky here in Connecticut with the healthcare systems that we have. Oh, absolutely. Because that's one of the things, you know, I think of because there's still, even with COVID, you know, as my own family knows, people still get cancer. People still get, break their legs, get in car accidents. And we need, Mm -hmm. we need to have that hospital capacity to deal with everyday, everyday life. The last question that I have for our list, and if you guys have any thoughts, you know, especially with traveling by plane, they're very strict about masking for toddlers. And, you know, both of you, both of you ladies, 
have have probably had experience with toddlers or very much of their own <laughs> mind. And th this question came from a mom who has a toddler who does not want to mask and does not plan on masking, but they actually may have to travel because, you know, family is in another part of the country. Any thoughts on helping a mom get a mask on a toddler? I read something as we were getting ready for back to school and reading about kids was to have the kids, if they were on electronics, wearing masks to get used to them. And then, um, you know, I think for toddlers, just like our kids, the more normal it becomes, the easier it is. I mean, my kids, they, they, they're the ones that keep me in check. They're like, mom, do you have the masks? Oh, geez. I almost forgot again. Um, I was, the in the the other day. I was in the store the other day and I saw a toddler in a shopping cart having a knockdown drag out full blown toddler in a shopping cart tantrum pointing, screaming. I want that. I want that. I want that with a mask on. And my thought was, huh, how yes. about that? That's, that's normal but like that kid is still normal that is typical yep. behavior that that kid is doing what he's supposed to do but the mask is on his face because that's his normal environment he's acclimated because everybody else around him wears masks and i just thought look at that like look at how development marches on with a mask on the right. kids the kids just are going to acclimate to it i know that if your kids are into superheroes um, there are Halloween costumes, Spider-Man masks, ninja costumes. You put a surgical mask on underneath it, put the costume on, get used to it that way. The technology thing works really well because kids are not really paying attention. That's, that's, when, that's when my kids wet their pants, right? Because they're not yeah. paying attention to their body signals. So if they're not paying attention to their body signals, they're not going to have any idea they're wearing a mask. You kind of desensitize that way. I think that's a great piece of advice, Katie. Yeah. Well, Katie, hopefully at some point we can have you back on to talk about, you know, I one of the first times I met you, you were getting the kids from school and you had the trailer and you guys are off. And I know that you guys do lots of adventures. And so as we go forward and hopefully as we pull away from COVID, you know, then we can also talk about, you know, there's so much I know you can share about your mindset and the strategies that you employ for your family travel i can't thank you enough for coming on today's show we really appreciate having it's you as a guest pleasure. my thank pleasure you. i think my biggest message for everyone out there is just trust your instinct you know your kids the best make the decisions that are going to make things easiest for you and your family and um, if you do that if you keep that as your kind of north star you're not going to go wrong with whatever decisions you make thanks katie yeah. Better Family Travel is proud to be part of the CMG Podcast Network. Be sure to visit clovercrestmedia.com for past episodes and over 30 different podcasts in a wide range of genres. And make sure to leave us feedback wherever you are downloading our podcast. We love to hear your thoughts. Go right to Facebook after this. Join our community to stay current on topics and resources and submit your questions to askbft at betterfamilytravel.com.